Before this episode of the Final Word Podcast, another quick update from our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. We are grateful for Brick Lane's support through the weekly episode, Storytime. Did you hear Daniel Norcross's wild 904 triumph? Are you kidding me? Start with Storytime 59 and then follow it up with Storytime 60. Totally worth it. And also, the daily episodes. Adam and Jeff have been super busy. You can find all of those, the daily episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can watch them on the Final Word Cricket Podcast YouTube channel. There are currently 23,000 subscribers. We'd love to get that to 25,000. So if you are not a subscriber to the Final Word Cricket Podcast YouTube channel, please stop by, check it out, and if you like it, subscribe, and then you'll never miss a video. In cricket, there are great partnerships. Podcasting is no different. It's the partnership between the show, Adam and Jeff, the sponsor, Brick Lane Brewing, and you, the listener. I'd use your name, but I don't know who you are, but thank you. In addition to subscribing to the YouTube channel, please check out Brick Lane Brewing on Instagram and Facebook. Say hello and tell them the final word sent you. You can order all your Brick Lane favorites at bricklanebrewing.com. It's a super easy way to get your hands on all of the various brews. Brick Lane Brewing, based and brewed in Melbourne, Australia. Great city, great beer. Thank you, Brick Lane Brewing, for being part of the final word. And as always, thank you for listening. That's enough from me. Now, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, and the final word. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you This is the final word, story time. The cricket history edition of the final word with Jeff Lemon and your host this week, Daniel Norcross, who is back because uh, Adam is still tired and still busy. And Daniel, you, I, I just did the Daily Show with Adam a couple of hours ago and we did talk about all of the, the drama of the cancelled test and how it happened and whose fault it was. Um, but you managed to avoid getting on a train to Manchester today just in time <laughs> to not be stuck on it while you got the news about it being cancelled and then have to turn around and come straight back again. Yeah, I suppose that's the one positive I can take out of today. I uh, woke up in Taunton, uh, not by accident, mm-hmm. it was by design. I was there for the <laughs> women's T20 decider between England and New Zealand that happened and uh, yesterday, and it was a thrilling and fabulous game that came down to a, a terrible ball from Amy Satterthwaite, on which great things did hinge. And so then went back to my hotel, modest hotel, rather hot, no air conditioning, oof, and mm-hmm. um, slept unnervedly because I was looking forward to going to Manchester taking two trains stopping at Birmingham New Street for an hour in McDonald's and then heading up to Manchester and then uh, woke up in the morning the WhatsApp was pinging like crazy because it's obviously part of the TMS WhatsApp group Test Match Special and uh, yes it, it looks like the day is going to be called off wait it could be the whole it's going to be the whole match it's all over and so I guess because I'm quite lazy and I was never going to try to get to Manchester like anywhere near on time from Taunton I saved myself <laughs> the trip of going because Taunton's down in the west country vindication yeah it was marvellous marvellous it's meant, it's meant, it's meant like my, my basic indolence got me home at the best possible time mm-hmm. with the fewest numbers of trains which is great for me <laughs> and it means that we're able to record this show at a, yeah. a slightly more civilised hour of the night than might have been the case at my end. The show today, well, we've got stories to tell. We're not going to get into the revisits section because, you know, what's the what's the phrase that they use for... Um, you know, when somebody's been working at a place and then they leave, it's like institutional intelligence or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, you know the kind of thing... 
that I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't necessarily have the history with the pledges themselves, with the numbers that have come in that Adam has. So I'm going to wait till Adam's back next week before we, we're going to have to do a massive show to clear off the slate <laughs> of revisits, which, which piles up by the day. It's like one of these terrifying inbox outbox <laughs> scenarios where the, the, the stack of papers is threatening to overwhelm us. But, but you and I are going to plough into some new numbers because why not? This is how we get into the annals of cricket history uh, via the numbers that get sent in. It's a game called Nerd Pledge. Sometimes I shout that out and say, Nerd Pledge loudly. Today, I'm, I'm not going to do that, just to mix it up. Got to keep things fresh. Nerd Pledge, it's a reverse quiz. Here's how it works. People support the show because we need to fund this show somehow and they send in contributions. And those contributions are not normal round numbers, but they're very specific numbers, right down to the second decimal because they relate to cricket in some way and we have to work out what that relationship is. Now, first cab off the rank and second cab off the rank, two cabs are coming off the rank simultaneously. This is called a double header. So this is where two people have sent in the same amount. The amount is $1.92. So it's a double header and it has been sent in by a double max, Max Hanlon and Max Gillespie. What's the, what are the chances of this? I know. Also hope, it's never happened you'd before. You'd also hope if they were both called Max that the pledges would be much higher mm. than $1.92. <laughs> Let us not cast any aspersions on, on any pledge that anybody sends in. They are all loved and cherished and valuable. All God's children have shoes when it comes to, to our love for our pledges. The other thing is, I mean, somebody could send in a 192, but it might be repeating more often than, than somebody else who sent in an, an oceanly higher amount. So it could be a more generous rather than less. They could change that number around all the time. Uh, it could go high, it could go low. There are so many, so many variations and things that you can do to express yourself with your nerd numbers. And I am extremely glad that we've got the double max. We've never had a double header with the same named i don't think but i often don't remember what happens on this show because we record it twice a week and it is quite hard to keep track so if i'm wrong let me know right one of these has a clue one of them doesn't max hanlon did not send a clue and so i have left this to you daniel uh, one nine two that's your sequence of digits what have you made of it well there was a lot to take in with one nine two with absolutely no clue so where do you go? It's it's one run more than Jeffrey Boycott's 191 at Headingley in 1977. That's not particularly helpful. Mm. It's one run less than three digits and add up to 13, one, nine, and three, which is a number I absolutely hate and have never been able to engage with. But what it actually might be is 19.2 or mm-hmm. not 192, so 19.2. So I've taken this kind of basic view of it and thought, well, who has an average of 19.2 in anything? And it turns out that it's a chum of yours, somebody that you saw a fair bit of back in 2018, a man whose entire first-class career consisted of only 40 matches, amazingly, even though he's 35 years old. I'm not sure if he's still playing, to be fair with you. He took six for 36 on debut against Australia in the UAE. Then five for 65, in between some wicketless nonsense, and, uh, and never played again. Now, that an unusual character, certainly, a Pakistani off-spinner, and you'll describe more about his unusual 
I, I, know, I know who you're talking about here. Oh, yes. As soon as you said six for 36, uh, you're talking about Bill Ellis. I am, but I'm the, referring uh, but I'm referring there to his test match pedigree. Now, I think that our max okay. has made it more, more, more difficult for us because actually mm-hmm. I, you have to dig a bit deeper and it's his ODI mm-hmm. average. He played just the three ODIs, took five for 25 against Zimbabwe, otherwise entirely wicketless. <laughs> No. I didn't even know he played ODI. Well, yes, he he did. But all everything happened for him in 2018. It was a wonderful year. <laughs> everything was glorious. 19.2 <laughs> is his ODI average. So having cogitated thought and crunched that number, I, I think it can only be uh-huh. that. And I think it can only be that because Max knows <laughs> your relationship with Bill Al-Asif. Uh-huh. So, so tell us a bit more about it. Well, yeah, I mean, Adam and I had a, a sort of commentary box bromance with Bilal Asif because he came in uh, like you said he debuted in that match in Dubai the uh, the crazy Usman Khawaja rearguard test but he knocked Australia about in the first innings took that six for and he was I don't know 32 or 34 or so when when he'd rocked up he was the classic 32. Pakistan yeah. spinner story where, where they just Pulls some spinner out of a hat. Uh, utter, you've never utter heard. Uh, Rahman. You remember him? That sort of left yes, arm. Yeah, I do. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd uh-huh. Often, often balding, uh-huh. and unbelievably yep. good on those surfaces, which they didn't grow up playing in because it's the UAE. So fantastically yeah, adaptable. It's somewhere else. Late in life, it's so exactly it's somewhere else, and then they just go and do this, and then they disappear. The uh, Zulfikar Baba was the, oh. the the version of that in 2014, where he destroyed Australia in a couple of test matches there and that was the first series where Adam and I did commentary together on the couch for White Line Wireless and it was the moment where I, I sort of heard Adam commentate and thought I think this guy's got something it was when he Zulfika rocks up and he goes here he is on debut he looks like he's fought in a couple of wars because <laughs> 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 he really like, he looked like he had been around the block Zulfika they were saying he was 36 but oh, you, yeah. you could have added 20 years to that comfortably I remember him you know, I think he, he had a well worn head he did for England in a match or two I think yeah and then, and then yes he, yeah. he, he, he took his war torn body somewhere and licked his wounds I think and then Norman Ali is the the more recent variant of the same thing but Bilal Asif yeah he he just popped up took a stack of wickets and then he played the next series against New Zealand and so that was it was it he he's played in those mm. two months for Pakistan yeah that's that's that, yeah that's 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 basically his life he took 16 okay. test wickets an average of 26.5 pretty good <laughs> pretty good Actually, better than his first-class average, which is okay. just shy of 30. Mm-hmm. But he played 40 first-class matches, that's all, which wow. is kind of bizarre as well. How did he get mm. to 35? And actually, what, get into the test team, having yeah. played an absolute maximum. I haven't double-checked how many first-class games he played after his last test match. Maybe that was it. But mm. he can only have played 30-odd games over the course of presumably about 15 years. Yeah, thirty-five. Well, if he's played five <laughs> tests, he's played thirty-five non-test first-class matches. In how long? So I don't know how he made the case to get into that team. I suppose one day I should devote the time and the resources to go back into the story of Bilal Asif in more depth. But for today, it's enough to be reminded of him. Aww. So I'm going to take the Max Gillespie number, and this one also has a clue, uh, and the clue is. This was the moment the COVID world came crashing down to earth for me. Now, I'm going to caveat this by saying 
Of the numbers I've done on today's show, I'm pretty sure I've got none of them correct because <laughs> I've been puzzled a lot, but I've done my best. So what I'm going to do is show you my working, which does not equal an answer, but here it is. The moment the COVID world came crashing down. So my first thought was, is this about the last ODI that was played at Sydney in March 2020, just before everything got called off? Australia were playing New Zealand. Oh, it makes sense. Yep, and they played the first match in front of a, a an empty stadium and then they cancelled, they called off the, the remaining two games because New Zealand's borders were about to close and the team had to rush home. So I thought 192... Yes, I, 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 yes, I, I fell foul of that because that was um, mm. one of three incredible cancellations I've had within 12 hours. I was supposed to be working for BT on that game mm. and that was cancelled within uh, 12 hours and, you know, that's it, no pay. And I was actually called up for the Sri Lanka tour for TMS. And within 12 hours of being called up, that was called off. (laughs) And then today, I've Mm. capped it all by with a late call up for um, TMS for the last test match at Old Trafford. And that was called off. So essentially, if I'm called up late for something, it's not going to happen. Right. All right. Good to know. Now, I remembered that New Zealand had made a not very high score in the second innings. And I thought, what if they were bowled out for 192? But they were not. They were bowled out for 187. Close. Close. Then I thought, the moment the COVID world came crashing down, is this about the death of a beloved cricket figure who died of COVID, possibly? I was trying to find links. Uh, Johnny Watkins, the South African all-rounder, died of COVID-19. He was born in 1923, a year that starts with the numbers 192, but that's that's a bit specious. Mm. His test bowling economy rate was 1.74, not 1.92, so that wasn't it. I did wonder if it could be to do with David Hodgkiss, the Lancashire chairman who passed away, but there was nothing there, no 192s that I could link up. And then it did occur to me it was it was the score that India got bowled out for in the Chennai test when England won and it looked like England might go on to have a good series in India and then they didn't, but they did win that test by bowling them out for 192. But that's the, the world in India did come crashing down sort of after that, but it was really at the end of that test series that things got really grim in India. Okay. So this yeah, is this that, is yeah, n- yeah. none of this is none of this is getting really anywhere so it, far. It's you're still at the foothills of the Himalayas here, Jeff. Yeah. So I thought, is it about a date? Is 192, is that 192, is it 19th of February? Because the 19th of February is around about when the pandemic was really starting to kick off. Like it, it, it got big in Australia in early March, but it was certainly getting big overseas in February 19. But there was nothing cricket related that was happening really around then. It was a few days before the Women's T20 World Cup started. And then I realised, I, I went back and had a look at Max's um, record on Patreon. And the date, he changed his pledge. He set this number in 2021, not in 2020. But he did it on the 19th of February. He did it on 19-2. Oh. See, that's, so, no, that's too spooky. Mm. So then I was searching around for things that might have happened on that day. The only thing that I can find is that's the date that South Africa announced they'd lodged a complaint with the ICC about Australia bailing out of the tour overseas. But that was a year before. So could have brought his could have brought his world crashing down. You never know. And then a year later on the day he, he commemorated it by by putting in Pledging. A, Yeah. Yeah. Did that no, hang on, well, it was this year. It wasn't like yeah, 
sorry, the South the Council of South Africa tour was this year. I've lost all sense of time because we've been living in lockdown for so mm. long. It was this year, wasn't it? So that could have been the day. It could yep. have been Max Gillespie could have said, this South Africa tour has been cancelled. I'm devastated and I'm putting in this pledge of 192 to mean the 19th of February, which is the day that my, my heart stopped when I realised the Australian test team, when I realised I would not see Alex Carey batting at five in the Australian test team while the Australian T20 team is in New Zealand. Could that be it? I don't think it is, but it's, it's, it's not even really something, but it's the start of something. Okay, well, I, look, I'll go with that. I think, that's, I think it's, it's pretty persuasive for me because people do get shocked by different things, don't they? And look, I, I think a test series just evaporating like that, it can take its toll on you. I mean, today I'm feeling terribly flat with a, a test match that's gone, mm. let alone a whole series. You know, probably... Needed it for sucker and comfort. I, 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 I mean, I'd go with that, unless he also meant Bill Al Asif. <laughs> but I don't quite know. <laughs> Which seems, seems unlikely given the clue. <laughs> Maybe that's why Bill Al, poor old Bill Al, never played more than 35 other first class games because, you know, COVID got in the way somehow and, and uh, maybe his, his, his triumphant. Kaid Azam trophy series was was called off at the last minute or something like that. Maybe you got called up to work on it and then the whole thing got cancelled. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. So so yeah. the Maxes, both Maxes, when you inevitably decide that our answers are not correct, drop us a DM on Patreon. Give us several clues because, by God, I've got a lot of things to solve in the next couple of weeks and try to get us closer to the truth. Uh, next up. A man who I promised him he would be on the show this week because I knew that he would be, and he is. His name is George Pearson. He sent through a contribution of £4.31, pence, and he said to us, by way of a hint, a nice 431 pennies to celebrate a hero off the field for their important contribution on it. Yes, he did do that. And mm. the thing is that 431 is such an iconic number, it's hard to look elsewhere. I did try and look elsewhere. I tried to find four for 31s. Mm -hmm. There was a moment when Joe Root had the figures of four for 31 in a staggering display against South Africa. It might have been, I don't think it was Johannesburg. It was in 2020, just before the whole COVID mm. outbreak. And he famously tried to get his fifth wicket the next day and got clattered to all parts. But it couldn't possibly have been four for 31 on one particular day before his figures were ruined. Mm. And I'm not quite sure what Joe Root's particular attributes off the field are, other than being a very fine chap. So I discarded <laughs> that. Because staring me in the face was, well, 431 is 431 wickets, isn't it? I haven't really found a good 431 in terms of runs, and cap numbers didn't work. It just it, it didn't happen for me. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be Hadley. But then I was thinking, what is his work off the field? What does, what's Richard Hadley mm. done off the field? And Amazingly, he has set up a sports trust. Now, you, we should know more about it, but it's a classically Kiwi sports trust. Right. Okay? So it helps sportsmen and women who are in hardship. It helps them to strive for success. But you have to be specifically under 25 and from Canterbury, <laughs> which is, I mean, no doubt, a very, very worthy cause. Very okay. worthy cause, and I, I entirely get it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're Sir Richard Hadley, you might have spread the net a little wider. Maybe like, 
I don't know, the whole of the South Island, perhaps. <laughs> they might care to breed Enston. They might benefit from that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Willington I don't, or uh, Dunedin. Who knows? Um, but... <laughs> So I'm afraid because it's such a such a massive number, and because Sir Richard Hadley has done that, mm. and he and, and these are worthy things to do. I mean, you know, he has and he has given time for it, and um, he has incidentally, relatively recently, had a tumour removed for, for bowel cancer. So um, we wish Sir Richard all our very very best with that. Uh, I say recently; it was a few years back. Don't worry; it's nothing immediate. But uh-huh. adding it all together, where he's supposed to go? I mean, he's 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 a, an icon. 86 test matches. That, yeah. When I've delved into his first-class figures, it absolutely staggered me. 1,490 first-class wickets. He picked up 100 wickets in a season for Nottinghamshire, which is pretty tricky to do, at an average of 18.11. That is staggering. I mean, mm-hmm. even on the relatively helpful surfaces of Trent Bridge in the 1980s, that is insane. And 12,000 first-class runs at 31, which is also not bad. He was part of an attack that Graham Gooch famously described as World Eleven at one end and Ilford Second Eleven at the other, <laughs> which, I mean, it's typically British in its total one-eyed idiocy <laughs> that it, it, it couldn't quite understand the martial tendencies of Martin Sneddon had a certain kind of bearing and a gate to him, which was relegated to Ilford Second Eleven. But has it has it not got to be that? I mean, have you found a four for thirty one that works, or a four three one, or a forty three point one? What comes to mind in terms of off field things is that I don't know if this is just me, and maybe this is one of these things that will be reassuring for others to hear that they're not alone in this. I can't tell the difference when I see them between Sir Richard Hadley and Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh. They're, the, they're the same person as far as I'm concerned. I've, I'm sure if you put them right next to each other, they would look different enough. But separately... You know, the, the British Health uh, Education Secretary, rather, mm. uh, is under a little bit of stick at the moment in the UK because he got Marcus Rashford, a famous footballer and food mm-hmm. supplier to children, and Maro Itoji, enormous lock forward who plays rugby union for England, mm-hmm. mixed up. Uh, uh, basically, do you find it impossible to kill, tell Kiwis apart? When um, you look at Jeremy Cody, is, or do, is the only thing you see is Edmund Hillary. Yeah. You know. I, I, oh, look, there's Lou, Vin, there's Lou Vincent. Or, or is, it or is that Brian Waddle? Like Edmund Hillary, yeah. Colin yeah. de Grandom looks a lot like Edmund yeah. Hillary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's Zimbabwean, so I can tell him apart. But uh, is, oh, that right. just, is that Jacinda Ardern or is that Edmund? Is that Sam Neill or is that Edmund Hillary? <laughs> I'm sure Sam Neill could play Edmund <laughs> Hillary admirably. But there is, some, there is a certain kind of pointiness to the face and a, 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 a sternness of visage, a, a fondness for a oh, moustache, yeah. and an ability to unrelentingly conquer whatever the world put in front of them in a, in a very sort of deadpan style that means that even if they don't look identical, if I see one or other of them, I don't know which one it is. I just kind of generally assume it's both. <laughs> you know, I have it. Yeah, I have. I have enormous sympathy. I know exactly where you're coming from. It, it, mm. It's the sharp features yep. of somebody who has had to take on a heavy workload, but uncomplainingly. Yeah, I mean, when I say uncomplainingly, I'm pretty sure. Neither Sir Richard Hadley nor Edmund Hillary suffered fools particularly well, mm. is, my, is my guess. I don't know yep. for sure. But because they also have that stern visage, a little bit like C.B. Fry. And to a degree, 
Percy Fender, I guess, and Douglas Jardine. Yeah. There's something there's something pointy about all these people who insist yeah. on overcoming insuperable odds. They're pointing towards the future. Their faces are directing yeah. where they want to go, and they want to get there quickly. They have knife faces so they can cut through the air and get to where they want to go faster. I see them more as having windblown faces because they're mm -hmm. constantly battling against a hurricane of opposition yep. that sort of chisels the face out mm -hmm. like a kind of erosion. And yet it doesn't weaken them. It makes them stronger. Right. And incidentally, I just wanted to check on George Pearson because... Mm -hmm. It struck me that he might be somebody who was a little bit older. I'm not sure that he's as old as this, though, but there was a George Pearson who has a mm -hmm. first-class record out there. Okay. And he scored 54 runs in two first-class matches playing wow. for the Free Foresters. That's, and that's almost enough to get you a Bill Alassif call-up. Yeah, well, it is, actually. He wasn't bad. So, George, if it is you, yeah. well done on that. Yeah, two matches 10 years apart is how oh. it worked. Yeah, right. That's kind of Arthur Conan Doyle areas. Just pop in for a, yeah. a game here and a game there. So, look, I'm thinking that the 431, maybe that has to do with the off-field thing more than the on-field thing. But, look, we don't know, George, so get in the DMs, drop us a hint, and we'll see if we can manoeuvre closer to this one. Now, here's a, here's a very Australian-sounding clue. This comes in from Sean Tun, who goes by the nickname of Tunza. As you, as you would. Why wouldn't you? If you could, why wouldn't you? Tons of fun. He said through a different number, I think, initially, but he's, the number he wants us to solve is a flat dollar, 1.00. And he had to clarify that this, this was not a Julio pledge. This is definitely a nerd pledge. But it comes through with this clue. And the clue goes, he smoked them in what was a first. Hearing about Dandenong and Hallam is a cherry on top although we migrated southeast, a bonus clue there, I guess. Now, this is getting kind of cryptic crossword for me, but it's about Melbourne suburbs, which is not going to be your specialty, talking about Dandenong no. and Hallam. This comes from a conversation I had with Adam about Dandenong and Hallam, but you wouldn't have been acquainted with the delights of either of those locales, I'm guessing. No, I don't think I have. I mean, when I saw that this was going to happen... Mm -hmm. I did flee the area instantly because mm -hmm. it was all complete gobbledygook to me. And mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's... I'm fascinated to find out what the answer is, but yeah. I was intimidated by actual... The syllables of the words were enough, actually, to make me quite scared. <laughs> so, OK, so Dandenong and Hallam are, are in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And Sean says that he migrated southeast from there. So one thing that did come to mind is Blackrock, which is... Uh, a suburb, an area on the on the bay coast of, to the southeast of Melbourne, uh, which is famous for two things. One, a, a COVID cluster at a Thai restaurant last year. And two, it's where Shane Warne grew up and, and likes to refer ah. back to as his earthy roots when he calls himself the boy from Blackrock. And I've got this feeling that Sean's clue has clues within the clues. Like, I'm sure that he smoked them is a clue and I'm sure that cherry on top is a clue but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. And so the best thing I could put together was this. Blackrock is not really southeast of Dandenong or Hallam. It's more east of there. But And, and if you go southeast, you sort of end up down the Mornington Peninsula or down at Phillip Island or in Gippsland or something. But but the smoking bit and the cherry bit, um, who talks about cherries all the time? Shane Warne definitely does. Who's famous for pounding darts at a horrific rate through his entire yeah. life? Shane Warne. But how does it relate to one? 
is there something that works here? And, and I don't know exactly what it is, except that maybe it's about the fact that he took one for 150-odd on debut, and that's quite a famous thing, and that one, the one he got out was Ravi Shastri, <laughs> the book launcher himself. Mm, good old Ravi. Yeah, yeah good, good timing, champion. Great work. Everybody's really keen to read your tome. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely have an event where you just lick everybody's faces. Well done, mate. So I don't know if this is convincing enough, but what it did do was lead me to read Shane Ward's website. <laughs> Oh, good and, grief, really? And read his profile of himself on his website. And whether Sean Tan is referring to the one for 151 or whatever it is on debut, I'm not sure. But I couldn't not read you some of this because <laughs> I don't know who who did the copy for oh, this. Oh, please, 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 is, please, please, handle it. Do you, know, you, don't think it was, you don't think it was Shane, you don't think it was Shane himself? I think he uh, cast an eye over it, but I'm not sure that... I've seen his tweets, put it this way, Um like, gotcha. Look, there are a few bits and pieces. There are things like spelling various other players' names wrong and so on in, in this profile, but here we go. Shane Keith Warne is a cricketer of superb intellect, admired by Australians and cricket lovers everywhere for his unsurpassed skill and honest, perceptive and fearless views. <laughs> Bear in mind, this is a guy who's like on Twitter, like tweeting at Daniel Andrews, being like, "Oh, fair cop, mate. When can we get out of the house, eh?" Um. Wow. So he's like, he's basically he's, he's Clive James, isn't he? I mean, really yeah. deep down. Or, well, he did uh, have a you know, talk show, and so did Clive James on late night Australian yeah. TV. Shane's journey began in the 1990 Australian cricket season when their young boy from the Melbourne suburb of Blackrock, ding 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 packed his cricket gear, jumped in his souped-up Cortina and headed for the Australian Institute of Sports Cricket Academy in Canberra. When he started, close cricket watchers would call him promising but were more likely to notice the spiky blonde hair, the diamond earring, the sharp clothes, the reflecting sunnies and the smoke pursed between his lips. And right from the beginning, the sparkling green eyes and glittery grin that could disarm anybody. Good grief! Yeah, that. I mean, that's. that's I, I'm going straight to this website. This 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 looks like this is. I, I was intending actually on starting a whole new series uh, tonight on Netflix, um, a, a, an Italian drama that I've been told all about is superb. But I, I think I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of Shane Warne's website. This is gold dust. So then it then it talks about his you know his bowling his first couple of years and stuff for a while um and he takes some wickets and it goes on the sultan of spin had arrived warn would go on to be named as one of the five cricketers of the 20th century by wisdom the bible of world cricket and what company he was in sir donald bradman sir garfield sobers sir jack hobbs and sir vivian richards spelt wrong the boy from blackrock might may not have a sir in front of his name but he was the first knight of flight eh no oh Loving it. Hang now, on. Is, and actually, is, is this a come and get me plea for a knighthood? This is extraordinary. <laughs> well, yeah, so he's missed his window because Tony Abbott closed that one up pretty quickly. But 
So it goes on to say, even as wisdom genuflected, <laughs> Warney kept bringing world batsmen to their knees. Accolade after accolade, award after award followed as he spun his way to cricket immortality. A dab of swashbuckle, a big dollop of national pride, a smidgen of win at all costs, a dose of the original Aussie mateship DNA, all wrapped up in a bundle of talent, ability, flair and unsurpassed tactical cricket knowledge. Shane Warne is the complete package. What you see is what you get, a straight shot shooter, a loyal Australian, a cricketer of immense talent who has made himself a household name around the globe. But there's much more. And there is. It goes on for a long time and I will not read the rest, but th- there is much more. Oh, no, more. don't. Don't, don't. You, I mean, honestly, you need to read his audiobooks. I think uh, <laughs> I, I think any, any autobiography of Shane Warne in your voice would be so much better <laughs> than oh. any other. God, it's just incredible. <laughs> the sparkling green eyes and the glittering I quite green. like the, yeah. the genuflecting and bringing mm. to the knees. Is also, I mean, it's quite a nice flourish, that. Yeah, yeah. They, they really managed to sustain that metaphor for an entire sentence. <laughs> mm. I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, unless Gideon Haig has really widened mm. his repertoire massively in the last few years, I don't think he wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows how to spell Sir Vivian Richards. <laughs> Gideon's probably nailed that one. Uh, it's not the hardest either, is it? Yeah. So, so look, Sean, that probably has nothing to do with it, but I thought you might enjoy that. I hope you did. Send us a message if we can get any closer to your number. Next up, Ian Walstonholm, which is also a way to describe yourself when you're dancing drunk home from the pub. Walston home. Oh, very good. The number is £1.55 from Ian, who says, The number relates to a debut. 16 years later, this cricketer played in the first test match I went to. It pissed down with rain until lunch. Only one other player appeared in both tests and is linked to the test venue that I went to. Well, it's an absolute beauty, this question, because I think I've actually got the answer. Oh, and that's yes. why I like it. After first the first one today. Of- <laughs> Well, you gave me the trauma of 9.04, if you remember. I do. The nightmare of Ed Giddens and having discovered that Ed Giddens was on page 904 to discover that that wasn't the answer and that the answer was actually even more ungettable. (laughs) It broke my heart. (laughs) So I can't tell you how happy I am with the resolution of this because I'm going to talk you through my workings because 155 and debut, right? Mm-hmm. Well, 155 and debut screams Doug Walters all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is surely, surely the answer. Mm-hmm. So then I go and check Doug Walters and I check venues and I check 16 years apart and nothing's working. Mm-hmm. The whole thing's gone ill. So now mm-hmm. I'm back to the drawing board because it's it's not one, you know, no one else got 155 mm-hmm. on debut. So is it... 15 for 5 has scored 15 for 5 was mm. it on the 15th of May was it 1 for 55 mm-hmm. was it so I was ended up with an average of 1.55 or 15.5 all of those yeah. things crossed my mind but I thought with the clue that I had it was a very generous clue it gave me enough of an in because now I've just got to find test matches 16 years apart with two players playing in the same game mm-hmm. really 
And I'm racking my brains and thinking, who could have happened to Graham Gooch, maybe? You know, debut in 75. Didn't finish playing until 92. Famously, 93 even. Famously played with over 100 different players for mm-hmm. England. And those shirt numbers also, he played with somebody who was like 115 shirt numbers away from him, stuff like that. Mm. Wasn't quite working. I went back in history, but of course, I've got the clue that he was there. Mr. Wollstone home. He was actually mm-hmm. at the game. So I figured it's got to be relatively recently. So I narrow the search and then, my friend, it happened. And when it happened, mm-hmm. Jeffrey, after the ordeal of 90.4, I know this is right. Mm-hmm. I, there is absolutely no way it's not right. So <laughs> I'm going to talk you through Go what on. I know. The first day of the test match, I think it's at Old Trafford, mm-hmm. 28th of July 1984 okay it's the third day that we're looking at the third mm-hmm. day that we're looking at there was no play before lunch why am I interested in this game well because Clive Lloyd played in that game and mm. so amazingly did Pat Pocock oh now Clive Lloyd played for Lancashire this game was at Old Trafford it was mm-hmm. a game that the West Indies won by an innings and 64 runs they were very good then they were. they were much, much better than England. England were depleted by South African um, rebels. But nonetheless, let me just run you through their team, just so that you can be awestruck. Greenwich, Haynes, Gomes, Richards, Lloyd, Dujon. Doesn't surprise you they made 500 in the first innings. Winston Davis, Eldine Baptiste, Roger Harper. It was a spinning track. That's why Pat Pocock was playing. Mm-hmm. Holding and Garner. England, Fowler, Broad, John Terry, who broke his arm in that game, called up. Bang, broken arm, out you go. Couldn't bat in the second innings. It was it was tough play against West Indies then. Gower, Lamb, got an unbeaten 100 in the first innings. Botham, feels like quite a decent top order, doesn't it? Hmm. Downton, Allett, Cook, Ocock and Norman hmm. Cowens. Right. So, I'm thinking I've got Lloyd and I've got Pocock. And they could have played against each other. And guess what? 16 years previously, in 1968... A West Indies side comprising Seymour Nurse at the top of the order, which is always mm-hmm. like a kind of slightly concerned. It's a it's a Bart Simpson reference. Yeah, or a, or a carry-on joke. <laughs> well, I'd like to see Seymour Nurse. Seymour yeah. Nurse. You got it. Yeah. Can I butcher Clive Lloyd, Gary Sobers, Charlie Griffith, Holford, Hall and Gibbs? I mean, that's, that is a bunch of West Indies legends. Mm-hmm. We're playing against a bunch of England legends. In Barbados in 1968, Edrich Boycott, Cowdery, Barrington, Graveney, unbelievable, Parks, Dolivera, Snow, Pocock, Jeff Jones, who incidentally is one of the few men to have fewer runs and wickets, 34 runs or so, uh, 38 runs and 44 wickets in mm. his test career, averaged four with the bat and 40 with the ball. Amazing, he played as many games. 15 matches he played. <laughs> you know, Indian fans would go completely berserk if that was allowed to happen in their team. And David Brown, and I, th- I think I said John Snow. Now, so Pocock's playing in that game. Lloyd's playing in that, in that game. That was Pat Pocock's debut. So now I'm so close here. Mm-hmm. I've got the mm-hmm. debutant. Where does 155 come in? Well, praise be, let freedom ring. Who did Pat Pocock get out in bowling figures of one for 55? Clive Lloyd. Court and bold. Hey, presto, baby. High five me. Yes. 
It's done. We've got home. at it's least done. one. At least one it out of eight numbers today must be correct. It's got to be correct. It's got to be correct. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you the joy when that when I when I uncovered that. It has to be. And if it isn't that, it is that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and Pat Pocock comes back on the show. We had we were talking about Pat Pocock some months ago in that. Um, Relating to his record of um, many hat tricks and and having that record of seven wickets in nine balls or whatever it is, which which sounds really good until you look into the story of the actual match, which is I, I won't go through it all again, but it's well worth it. If uh, I can't remember what episode it's on, but you can probably figure it out from the episode descriptions if you go back well, maybe three months or something like that. The short version being that they were they were trying to smash him around for. Um, late in an innings and the the cascade of wickets came. Uh, beautiful work, Daniel. I love it. Ian Wollstonehome, I'm sure, will love it as well. One last one last codicil on that is that in uh, Pat Pocock's debut, he also picked up a wicket incidentally in the, in the second innings, Derek Murray. Uh, Clive Lloyd made 113 not out. The, the West Indies began their second innings nearly 100 behind and they romped to 284 for six of 53 overs. That's where this sort of reputation for flair comes mm. from. Any other side, 100-odd behind, not long left in the game, they'd have blocked it out, wouldn't they? Clive Lloyd took the opportunity to hit 113 not out with 14 fours and two sixes <laughs> while drawing the game. That's how you draw a game. That's how you draw and, a test match. Yes. Come on, England. That's how you do it. It does, it does bewilder me that the team that did the Wokes-Butler partnership against Pakistan last year and now too scared to try to chase a target in the fourth innings of a test. Don't. Don't. It's incredible. (laughs) That is Ian's number. We got uh, a couple more to do. Three more to do. Uh, John Lansdell sent through uh, a lovely number and even $14. 14, $141400. There's no clue. I just had to get straight into it. And so I did initially think about 1400s. Is this directing me to a 1400? And, you know, normally with the numbers, I, I take some time just to just to do a vibe check. Like, what, is, what does this number say to me? What, what little bells mm. does it set off? What wind chime tinkles? And I thought, I can't think of anybody who has a career total of 1400 runs or 1400 wickets it didn't speak to me and so i did go and and check it and verify it but i was right that that's not a thing so i thought okay are we then looking at a 14 rather than a 1400 because it you know it could be a a 140 but it's probably unlikely um, given the formatting of the number so is it a 14 and i thought i remember mitchell johnson averaging just under 14 in the 2013-14 Ashes when he took the 37 wickets. So I checked that and that was correct as well. 13.97 was the MJ average. Um, So then I thought, all right, well, who's averaged 14? Has anyone averaged 14 on the dot in a series? And there are a few, but there's one very interesting one that caught my eye in terms of something that contemporaneously someone might be interested in which is that a few years before Mitchell Johnson did his thing, the birth of a, another Australian fast bowler, James Pattinson, who debuted against New Zealand at the Gabba. The fortress. Can't wait to get you to the Gabba. <laughs> you know, it didn't go so well in the first dig. Took one for 64. Not even as good as Pat Pocock on debut. 
got a bit of a shit shot from Ross Taylor and, you know, got a wicket. But in the third innings, Wooshka, he took the first five wickets to fall, just the top five in New Zealand, one, two, three, four, five. He had them five for 28 within the 13 overs of the start of the innings. He got Kane Williamson, he got Roscoe for a golden duck, Kane Williamson's second ball, just fucking demolished them. I remember watching it live. It was was fast outswing, like 150 outswing, and it was getting good carry off that deck and he was just getting edge after edge into the cord and it was it was beautiful stuff and then he goes down to Hobart in the second test of that series and takes five for 51 in the first dig so back to back five as to start his career three for 54 in the second eight in the test match even though Australia narrowly lost it but you thought at that point here is someone who is set for a long career and you know it's a sad Reality that it hasn't really happened. He's kind of ending up as a, a bit of a what-if. He's had his moments. He's played, I'd, what, about 30 tests, maybe 27 tests, something like that. But Well, yeah, it's, I mean, his big problem is that, unfortunately, Australia's main three quick bowlers don't seem to get injured for years <laughs> on end. Whereas in England, yeah. if he was English, he'd have played oh, <laughs> 85 tests by now, yeah. even if he was third choice, because he well, would they also, cover yeah, for Broad play, and Anderson and, and everyone else with stress fractures. Because so, they play yeah, 18 test fine. matches a year, and Australia plays yeah. four. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's been fit since the 2019 Ashes and hasn't been picked because, they, you know, they never play, so they just end up going with the same three quicks. But, yeah, it is a. it always makes me a little sad when I think of... What more we might have seen from James Pattinson had he been but, given... But where does this get to 14 point naught naught though? Well, across that first series against New Zealand, he took six wickets in the first test, eight in the second, at an average of 14.00. Oh, Jeffrey. Hmm. You might have cracked it. It's not bad. No, I did. Look, it feels like, it feels like a strong possibility to me. Yeah. I'd love it to be right. And also, yeah. just remind me again of the name of the pledger. Was his name Min? No, John. John Lansdell. John. Okay. Yeah, because I was just thinking, in contrast to Max, both Maxes mm-hmm. oh. at 1.92. <laughs> if we had two Maxes and a Mini. <laughs> and, and a Min Patel, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 a, and a Medea somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it feels like it could be right, but it's 14.00 is so specific. Mm-hmm. And I, when you showed me that as well, I thought that I, I can't... It's a number that would, it would scream at you, wouldn't it? Mm. Because if anything was 14.00 or one for one for 400 was just one other thought I had. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. Maybe but it didn't was... work for me. Yeah. Because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't make that happen. Someone like, like Xavier Doherty could have had one for 400 at one stage. <laughs> like bowling it feels at, likely. Bowling at Brisbane in, in 2010 and then going on to the the test in Adelaide or whatever it was. So that that's my guess, John. But also, you get to give away a slab with Brick Lane. In fact, I think we're going to let two people give away slabs this week because we didn't do the show last weekend. I haven't checked this with anyone, but I'm just going to roll with it and say that we, we're going to do it twice. So, John, you're one. Here's the thing, because Brick Lane make beer and it's good and then they let us give it to people. We're going to give it to you and you if you're in Australia you can give it to yourself or you can give it to someone else if you don't want beer or if you're not in Australia you can give it to someone who is in Australia Uh, we will get in touch with you and let you know how to do that I think it's worth noting probably off the the top of the show Jay would have let you know that Brick Lane won a gold medal at the fancy beer awards for their pale ale but I also had a look at their website today and there's some very lethal looking imperial stouts on there there's one called the Leviathan 
which it runs at 12% in a half-litre can. <laughs> like, if you had one of those, you'd be out on the side of the road. So Crikey, choose carefully. Yeah. And Leviathan, what a wonderful name that is. <laughs> I mean, it also it gives it a kind of philosophical kudos, doesn't it, as well? I mean, I, I don't mm. think you could be... You, it's half a litre, you say, 12%. Yep, yep. 500 mils of 12%. I could stretch to three. <laughs> <laughs> Shotgunning. <laughs> Pop the car keys in the side. <laughs> it's two bottles of a cheeky Pinot Grigio, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. And um, after the day I've had, it sounds ideal. Yeah, whatever it takes to get you out of bed, I say. <laughs> We've got two more to go, two more numbers to go. So, um, yeah, bricklanebrewing.com, that's, that's where you'll find them. That's where you can go and look up the Imperial Stouts for yourself. Have a drink, send us a picture, if you want to. If you don't want to have a drink, don't, because there's no pressure just a possibility we're just a world of possibilities hi i'm ebony rainford brent and you're listening to the final word with adam collins and jeff lemon uh, grant cartledge who um, is very important to have in the joints of your knee uh, has sent through five dollars and twenty cents and a clue for you, Daniel. He says it's not a stat. I take that to mean it's not like an end-of-career stat because it, it obviously has to be a number of some sort. And it's not a cap number. It relates to another POM, says Grant, which leads me to believe he's Australian but has a grudging respect for this particular English player. Although this one is from the much more recent past, unquestionably, to my mind, the best in their position and one I always enjoyed watching. 5.20, and that's the clue. What do you think? Well, it was a lovely clue, wasn't it? It was fulsome. It had it could send you down so many different areas, and that's what I liked about the clue, but it's also what pained me because it meant I had to give up on a whole load of possibilities, mm. um, really. I had to give up on numbers of uh, averages, uh, best bowling figures, wickets taken... Uh, shirt numbers he'd said that was out which was mm -hmm. absolutely agonizing so to me the thing that the clue screamed was english and the best in his mind the best in their position and as you said he'd used the word unquestionably unquestionably the best un in their position unquestionably, unquestionably and there are very few things that are mm. unquestionable in mm. this world let's face it that's what we have twitter for mm -hmm. so hmm the english are not good in any position really but they're certainly not unquestionably the best in any of them except <laughs> possibly you know <laughs> perpetually choosing the wrong people to lead them mm -hmm. um, I, it was it's very hard it's very hard to, to get my head around this and then i thought so if it's a position hmm. it's got to be a position in the field hasn't it so it's not like a position like you know you're the scene bowler there are too many of them or no it's not a karma sutra it's not you know the, no exactly yeah. the uh, the landing butterfly or the wheelbarrow you got it so it's a position and it felt like a position on either on the field or like as chairman of selectors or something like that but that never really worked so because you know i guess <laughs> be the best chairman of selectors what for for every country but they just displayed their skills yeah. in england that doesn't work so i'm now i'm we, we haven't back. we haven't had a lot of stats related to selectors we've had a lot of stories about peter McAllister being thrown out the window by clem hill but um we have i don't think anyone's really <laughs> pledged in honor of selectors 
That would be weird. I, but I mean, you, you'll get a slew of them now. Yeah, I hope you realise. <laughs> That's true. I <laughs> shouldn't have said like, anything. <laughs> no, you, you shouldn't have said that. And now you've, got to, now you've got to do a whole new raft of research for every single nerve pledge that comes in from now on. That was a fatal error on your part. So I'm focusing back on the positions, and the position's got to be in the field. And then I'm thinking, who would be the, unquestionably the best? You know, like John T. Rhodes, Colin Bland of the past. South Africans feature heavily at cover point for some reason. Mm-hmm. Slip fielders, nearly all of them are not English. I mean, it's Colin Cowdery back in the 60s, but he was, clearly wasn't referring to that. The best slip No, it's are, recent. Been I mean, who's Mark a... War. Gooch was a good slip, wasn't he? He was reasonable, but, you know, he wasn't He wasn't Mark War. He wasn't Mark yeah. Taylor, you know. It, uh, so where am I going here? I'm thinking a position that is used mostly in England, more actually in many ways more than in a lot of other countries. Australia uses this position, but when you go to subcontinental pitches, often you don't go with this. Gully. Mm-hmm. Gully is a classically English position. The ball moves late, swings in the air, drive, and it's classically difficult because you're close in and it comes off that outside edge, but the shot is sending your eye elsewhere. So you've got to continually watch that edge. And I would say that pretty much unquestionably, the best gully that England has produced in the last 30 years is Ben Stokes. Surely, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. I mean, as gullies go, as any country's gullies go, and it's clearly an Englishman because it's a pom, grudgingly pom, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, who's England's best gully? And someone who's good to watch, someone I enjoyed watching, like Stokes. Yeah. His his whole thing is that he's watchable, whatever it is that he's doing. It feels... It feels Stokesy, doesn't it? It screams Stokesy, as we say mm. in England, short for Stokes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so I thought, well, you know, so if it's not a stat, it might be a moment. Uh-huh. And if it's a moment of him being in the gully, it can't be 52 for none. It's got to be 5 for 20, which instantly got me thinking, hang on a minute. His most iconic, most remarkable catch, maybe the World Cup one as well, but certainly mm-hmm. in the gully. Certainly in test is, cricket. Oh, and in Test cricket, it's the claw. It's the claw catch of yeah. Adam Voges at Trent Bridge. It's iconic enough when, that I knew what catch you were talking about before you said it. Yeah. Because you said you when he's it. most iconic catch, I was like, yes, I know which one it is. You say no more. That's it. Yeah, I should have done. Sorry, I'm a man of too many words. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean that's, <laughs> that is evidence that it is his, his iconic catch. No, no yes, exactly. But then you say to yourself, well, when did the wickets fall? So... I went and had a look. Now, of course, I, I thought I knew this game intimately because there's a T-shirt that you can buy in England which has got mm. the entire Australian innings in a tweet because it lasted for 18.3 overs. Mm-hmm. You need 18 times 6 plus 3, which is 111, with the 18 hard dashes between the overs. And that's the number of characters you can get it in. And I, mm-hmm. so I started visualising that T-shirt. And I thought, hang on a minute. The fifth wicket falls at 20, not 21. But it's so close. Oh. So then I'm thinking, as our man, I'm looking at a keyboard, Norton 1 are quite a long way away. <laughs> what if, are they, are they far away on a mistake. phone? If, what if you did it on a phone keyboard? I, well, I'll have a little look. I think they are, aren't they? Okay, it tells aren't you they? something that I can't or visualise. You see, well, yeah. No, they're quite but far away be. on a phone keyboard. They're quite well. far away, so... <laughs> But is it, it possible that he's misremembered it? Is it possible? Is it that it's like he's... I don't know, but it, but those, everything there works, doesn't it? Mm. You've got the iconic catch. 
you've got the best in their position. I tell you what, I've got one other. I like. I like. Really, the, it, it's almost perfect because yeah, the best in the position and at five for. Hang on. So which? So the, our number is five for twenty, and the actual match number is five for twenty-one. Correct. And, and Voges did Voges make one or a duck? Oh, good question. Because he, that, how would that fit in? Well, I was Man, just thinking if he's, if he's got one next to his name, but no. But if there was an error, it's down, not up. Because he doesn't happen, does it? Doesn't work. I don't remember him scoring. I remember he got four leg buys off the thigh pad, but he might have got a single. But yeah, no, he probably made naught. Either way, maybe, maybe it was meant to be five two one, and it's five two zero. But I've got one just possible alternative. Okay. And this is stretching credulity, but let me just try it. That's okay. the name of the game. So, unquestionably the best in their position. And now the thing that concerned me about the Stokes explanation was the mm-hmm. past tense in the clue. Would you like to read me the, the last bit of the clue again? Unquestionably, to my mind, the best in their position and one I always enjoyed watching. Enjoyed watching. Enjoyed yeah. watching. He hasn't been gone for that I long. See. He's, he's no. missed a couple of matches. Yeah. That's it, you see. So okay. now I'm getting concerned. I'm thinking, well, okay, so is there anybody else in any position that England have had mm-hmm. in the fielding position that they're unquestionably the best? You know, Derek Randall, but was he unquestionably the best? He's very good. David Gower. Yeah. James Taylor. James Taylor at short leg before just as he was establishing himself in the England side, mm-hmm. took some incredible catches at short leg against South mm-hmm. Africa. I mean, they were truly incredible, and uh, they went around the world. They went viral. Mm-hmm. And it felt like we'd just seen one of the great short leggers, and he kept doing it. He did a few of these. His anticipation was amazing. He's past tense because he's not going to play anymore, but where does 5-2-0 relate to James mm-hmm. Taylor, the wee Jimmy Taylor? Mm-hmm. Well, let me try this. In his career, forget the forget the number of runs he scored, forget his average, <laughs> forget catches, right? You, you have a look, look on your wickets. face like something is... <laughs> Just look at his wickets. <laughs> okay. Now, it's spooky. It's spooky. List A wickets, five. T20 wickets, two. First class wickets, guess what? <laughs> zero. <laughs> James Taylor, five two zero. Specialist short leg. Uh, no longer playing cricket. Past tense. Five two zero. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's a possibility. It's a possibility. <laughs> <And> no more. <laughs> Uh, Grant Cartledge, <laughs> the ball is in your court, my friend. You can do the Joaquin Phoenix thumbs up or the thumbs down. <laughs> Release the Tigers or let Russell Crowe live another day. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, does, it does make me think now, like, best in the position, like, could it be a Jack Russell thing? But I wouldn't say Jack Russell was from the recent past. You might, but I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, yeah uh, thank you for that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I probably would say recent past, but you'd be right. He's not really. So he would be the other one where I think definitely the best in his position, you know, talked up as a, as a wicketkeeper for his uh, amazing ways. But, yeah, all right, Grant, let us know. One more number to come in the show today. Oh, hang on a minute. What? Oh, crikey. What? It's not Ben Folks, is it? What about him? Best in his position. He's not got 520 test runs, has he? I doubt it. 
He's never got to play. I doubt it. He's got a hundred. Yeah, he got a hundred. He got a hundred. Yeah, he's he made about forty in the Test series in India. And so. actually, that wouldn't be past tense, would it? That wouldn't be past tense. No. Forget it. Yeah, sorry. He just slipped over in his just socks panicking. and buggered one of his muscles up. But you know, he's uh, he's not gone yet. He could still be back on England's uh, crazy wicket-keeping carousel. Who will ride the carousel this week? Oh, it's Ben folks. His leg fell off. Joss Butler has babies coming out of him. Johnny Besto has All fallen he- over and hit his head. <laughs> yeah. Like, my God. Number of wicket-keepers. Yeah. Like James Bracey, Ollie Pope. Don't forget. Don't forget the two no. non-specialist keepers, completely idiotically put in to play not in their mm. position, John and in their wrong position as well. Yeah, well, actually, he came in was really good. They should yeah. have brought him in earlier. <laughs> anyway, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's by the by. We've got one more number to go. It comes from Graham Hartley. It is seven dollars and fifty-six cents. Seven fifty-six. Well, Graham, there are a couple of possibilities here, but there's one. There's one road I'm going down. Sri Lanka made 756 in a test match at the Sinhalese Sports Club in Colombo in 2006. Uh, It happened, the 756 happened because of the partnership, the, in all in capitals, the partnership, which remains the world record for any partnership. 624 runs put on between Kumar Sankakara and Mahela Jawadana. They were playing South Africa and they had a couple of amazing near misses, really, because Sankakara makes 287, Joe Warden a 374. So, one, they just missed out on being the only players to make triple centuries in the same test match. Obviously, never happened before, let alone in the same innings, let alone batting together. God, that would have been absolutely delicious, wouldn't it? I mean, actually, yeah. that'd be like looking at a scorecard and your eyes would pop out. <laughs> you know, if you if you see a 300 and a 200, your eyes go fairly crazy yeah. because nearly all the famous 300s have not had 200s, have they? they mm. You know, Hutton's 364, the next was 187. And that, that was a sufficiently big difference. That felt mm-hmm. fine. But two 300s in front of your eyes on a scorecard. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how scorecards look, isn't it? How they come at you. In that mesmerising way. Sorry, yeah. it's been a well, long day. <laughs> no, three three hundred. If it were three zero zero, would look like two eyes staring at you as well. So the scorecard yeah. looks back at you. Ooh. You know, in Soviet Russia, scorecard reads you. <laughs> <laughs> Krapenko, three hundred. Dostoevsky, three hundred. <laughs> Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Sankakara missed out on the triple. Um, sloppy work there to get to 287 and give it away. And then Mahela bats on and he gets out one run short of the world record, 374. He's chasing down Lara's 375 and pop. He got he got Boulder LB, I think, just missed a straight one. <laughs> Obviously, the wicket wasn't doing much. Yeah, so he just kept batting after Sankakara got out and, and nearly got the world record and then didn't. So they declare it 756 for five. <laughs> the thing being, like, that would seem bad if you were South Africa, but what makes it a bit worse is that was the second innings and they'd already bowled out South Africa for 169 on day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got, a brutal, it's got a brutal feel to it. As you, as I, quite why they declared, I don't know. <laughs> no. I think... You've got to take that lead past 600, haven't you? <laughs> it was probably day three lunch. They had plenty of time. But they were both batting and passed 50 by stumps on day one, <laughs> those two. 
So uh, the other funny thing is when they resold South Africa, it wasn't even spin that did it. Dilara Fernando, I remember him, mm. took four wickets. Favis Maruf, the seeming all-rounder, took two. So Murali only took four wickets in the first innings. But then to give you a sense of the way the pitch levelled out, after having fielded for 181 overs, South Africa go out to bat and make 434 themselves, facing 157 overs. Murali bowls 65 overs, if you don't mind, and takes six for, um, as he always did. So that was the 756 that South Africa did not enjoy. There was another one, which is the seven for 56 that Shane Warne took in Sydney in 2004. But I thought we'd had enough Shane Warne content on the show for one day. So, Graham, if you're referring to the Shane Warne one, let us know. And I will tell that story on another show. But for this week, our Warnometer has reached its max. We are, you might say, worn out. Yeah. Oh, that's, 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 that's very good from you. <laughs> on a day of maxes as well. Um <laughs> Wow. I'd look, I think it's... I, I've, I've loved that story because I had forgotten. How could we forget? And why isn't there a documentary mm. about Jai Wardner missing the world record by two runs? Yeah. Because, I mean, the agony of that, that's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, can you, can you imagine if... Um, well, I'm trying to think now. Well, I mean, yeah, crucially, Brian Lara. Mm. When Brian Lara was at coming up to 365 and that record had stood for so long and it was Gary Sobers and he was there ready and waiting, you know, in a massive entourage and Antigua. And had he got out for 364, Len Hutton's mm. 364, just the awful anticlimax of it yeah. that, that would have been. Or had he got out for 399 the second time around. Yeah. It makes you think though, doesn't it, Jeffrey? Makes you think. It does. Uh, Graham, you get to give away a slab as well. Why not? This is how it's happening. We're just slabs right, left, centre, out the door. Look, if I'm wrong, I'll buy you the slab, okay? But I don't think I am. We will also get in touch with you. You will also be able to do things like, if you want to enjoy a delicious Brick Lane beer, you can do it and you can take a picture. So people have been doing this. So they're on the old socials and they, uh, you know, they click a happy snap of themselves in a in a nice place somewhere enjoying a, a beverage and they tag us in and they tag in the brick lane folks and everybody goes oh look there are people out there enjoying the fruits and the hops of their labors and that makes everybody feel better about things especially in melbourne where we are all miserable because brick lane live in melbourne as well we're all unhappy here but oh, the only way we can get honestly. through this You'll yes. get happier. You'll get happier. Yeah. I, I'm, I speak from somebody living in the chaotic aftermath mm. of our numerous lockdowns, and they will end, and you will emerge into the light, and it'll come just as summer is starting and the cricket season is there, and you'll reach your thresholds for vaccination. And, mm-hmm. and uh, really, it's, um, it's not bad on the yeah. other side. Uh, well, I, we appreciate your endurance. We had to go through it ourselves some months ago, and... Uh, but you'll have summer, and we have autumn to look forward to. Mm. And I've turned it into, and, I, and I've turned it into me again, haven't I? I'm mm. really sorry, Jeff, but it's preoccupying it's right. me. You know, right. Test match is over without even starting. It's September, which in this part of the world means nothing but endless gloom. And I've got to refight the battle of uh, the what Second World War. Basically, mm. it's not a battle; it's the whole damn thing. I've yep. got to do it all over again, Jeffrey. You've got to do it all over again. Battle. So good battle. luck, folks. You'll be fine. You'll come out the other side, and uh, uh, I think I've seen those. I've seen I've seen those Brick Lane pictures. They um, mm. they they point to hope, in mm. my view. That's right. The uh, the gentle 
glow of a, a, a cloudy ale of some sort. If only I, I, just, I would like somebody, I would like a, my newlywed spouse to carry me across the vaccination threshold. That's how I would know that we had arrived, you know. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be special? Wouldn't that, yeah, that would be lovely. It would be a poignant moment. But it will happen. And when, yeah. it, when it happens, we'll meet again one day. Don't know where, don't know when, but, but I, I know, know we'll meet we'll again, meet again some, some sunny day. day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This has been the final word, story time with Jeff Levin and Daniel Norcross. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and uh, all of our subscribers are listening in on their radio wireless across Britain. Now, if you'd like to send us a nerd pledge, you can do so at patreon.com slash the final word. That means that you can also be on the show in future weeks and months as we work through our long list of enthralling numbers. And with that, it's time to bid a fond farewell from the chaps and chapettes at the final word. That's right, coming to you from Bletchley Park. All thanks to Brick Lane Brewing Community, uh, to our editor, David Collins, and to who else? I don't know. I don't have a script in front of me uh, because I'm not actually a BBC newsreader. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show. Thank you to Daniel for taking time out of his busy day of cancelled test match to be on the show with us. We will see you midweek. We won't see you. You'll hear us. That's how a podcast works in the middle of the week for the next one. Uh, until then, cheerio. Pip, pip, tally ho. Thanks for listening to the Final Word Cricket Podcast. All of Adam and Jeff's previous episodes are available at finalwordcricket.com, including Storytime 20. That's 40 story times ago. 40. Almost a year's worth of nerd pledge. Why Storytime 20? Because it features comedian Will Anderson. It's a great chat. I think you're going to love it. Finalwordcricket.com for all things Final Word. And thanks once again to our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. Shop online at bricklanebrewing.com. Thanks for listening. More from Adam and Jeff real soon.